teenagers are a pain in the butt. They are <laughs> the moodiest people I've ever met in my entire life. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. David. Guess what? What? We got a store. A store? A store. We got something in store at the store. What do we have? We have at nachokids.com slash store. We created a bunch of designs for people to have t-shirts made and coffee cups and stickers and all kind of stuff. I'm not going to tell you what I ordered. Yeah, I know. I make all this stuff and she's like ordering as fast as I can design it. I'm like, I did not create all this stuff for you to go out and order all of it. Hey, look, it's not my fault. But all, all I'm going to have is life is good and not your kids t-shirts. <laughs> but I will say it does compliment me a good bit to see that you liked so many of them enough to buy them. <laughs> hey, that reminds me. Did you create a life is good when you nacho t-shirt? I have not yet. <gasps> Put that on your list. How dare you? Uh, now I'm thinking. I don't. Maybe I did. Well, you must. I can't remember. I did so many. I mean, I've thirty something designs I've done. So I know. Far. Every time I'd walk out of the room, you'd be like, "Hey, honey, come back." Actually, I did more than thirty. It's probably more like fifty something. But I've only posted thirty something because, <laughs> uh, yeah, my creativity uh, got sapped out <laughs> sitting in front of the computer for so long <laughs> all day. All right. So, what else you got for us? Uh, All right, that's our show for today, folks. Yeah. <laughs> our guest today, David, guess what? Her name's Heather. No, her name's not Heather. <laughs> Emily. Guess, no, her name's not Emily. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> this is her second blend. Ooh, another one. What is so funny is we know by taking polls and discussions in Facebook groups and other stepmom groups, if you ask somebody if they would get married again or be in a blend, I mean, it's like a no, 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 no. 99.9%. No. Yeah. Or what advice would you give someone considering going into a blended family? It's like run. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it or run. But we keep finding these people that it's their second blend, at least. Mm. But here, once again, we have proof that no blend is the same. Her first blend and second blend were like night and day. We had another one like that. Or Yeah, I know. Or maybe it should be day and night because the first blend was good and the second blend, nah. I think this is the same thing happened to the first one. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. So that's why they weren't so hesitant to get into that blend. Right. If it had been the other way around. Now, we have had people that had a struggle the first blend and still got into another blend. Okay. I'll give you that. I can't think of who they are right off. but Well, that's because your memory is horrible. Of course it is. That's probably why I'll end up doing it again. Doing what again? Being another blend because I won't remember <laughs> all the horrible stuff I went through in the first one. Well, one thing she mentions was she's sure that she had struggles in the first blend, but since she's out of that and it's been you know quite a few years that she doesn't remember it as much. So it's hard for her to remember the bad. Yeah, that's the defense mechanism your mind has. Same thing as having a baby. I know, that's rough. I'm so glad I don't remember all that. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, as you can see, 2020 has not changed, David. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. I know. I know y'all laughing. (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) 
They're like, we're glad 2020 didn't change him. He's perfect just the way he is. Excuse me why I gag. <laughs> People can't hear you rolling your eyes. That's why I'm going to gag. <laughs> I, I don't really want to gag because <laughs> my son does that crap all the time. We'll be sitting there and all of a sudden he'll gag and it drives me nuts. And then one of David's kids started doing it with him. So we were riding somewhere and all we kept hearing were these kids gagging back and forth. It was horrible. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And your son started it. Well, let's not talk about where your kids started. See, look, y'all, it starts with tit and tat. I'm telling you. The hardest part of her first blend was not issues with the stepkid. It was the bio parent's inability to co-parent. Okay. And it caused major struggles. We didn't co-parent, my ex and I. Well, I'll say we didn't. We didn't do it well. (laughs) We did a sum. I've stated before, my son's biological father and I. So not his dad, his biological father. Because he has other fathers that aren't biological. (laughs) We parallel parent. (laughs) Yes. And if you don't know what that is, I'll tell you. It means I parent my way, he parents his, he don't talk to me. Period. Yeah. and It's It's like two parallel lines. It's completely best that way. That never intersect. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is best that way. It was harder when Jackson was younger, but now that Jackson is 14 going on 15, he's able to not necessarily be stuck in the middle, but he's able to say, hey, my dad wants to know if I can come over, you know, a couple hours early or things like that. Whereas before his dad would have to ask me. And not that that was always an issue. It's just... We just don't get along. There's a reason we're not together. Mm-hmm. Big reasons. Mm-hmm. Anyway, another thing that we talk about with this lady is being a high-conflict stepmom. So she is? I did not say that. Oh, no, I'm just asking. She may have been. Did she, did she say she was? She may have been. Mm-hmm. Was I a high-conflict stepmom? <laughs> Darn one straight, you were a high-conflict stepmom. All right, stepmom. that's it. Nervy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all hear it? It's See, happening. you're still high-conflict. Ow! See? Mess with me, boy. That, uh, where's mine? Because you know what? Listeners don't know this, but I got my own. Mm-hmm. Mine's not as loud as yours, but it hurts just as much. I'm not afraid of you. In the neck, right below my ear. <laughs> okay, that's it. See, I try to be nice and not shoot him in the head, but he shoots me square in the neck. How can I miss that big old noggin you got? Well, apparently, you did. You shot me in the neck and not my noggin. Hey, wonder if we could shoot each other. <laughs> okay, these people can't see how much fun we're having. <laughs> All right, so we need to get to listening. <laughs> Stop laughing at my get to listening. What else do you do? <laughs> I need to get to listening to stepmom Nikki. All right. Before and we all do. Her, wait, I'm not through speaking. Oh, gosh, hurry up. And all her words of wisdom that she's gained from being in two blends. And. I want to ask her, would she do it again? <laughs> and she is still in contact with the stepchild from her first blend. That's sweet. It is sweet. So, let's listen to Nikki. David, go ahead. 
What am I doing? You saying what'd you say? <laughs> All right. Before we do it, here's a word from our sponsor. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today we have Nikki Castello. How are you today, Nikki? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about your blend. How long have you been blending? Seven years now, I guess. Okay. Well, that's still good. Yeah, not so bad. So with all the kids and living together under one roof, it's been about, yeah, about seven years, six, seven, something like that. All right. So tell us how many stepkids you have. I've got three. Well, four, really. I've got one from a previous relationship that I've raised since she was six and she's in her early thirties now. And then I've got three here. This is your second blended relationship? Yep, sure is. Okay. I hear you. And they're both day and night different. The experiences between the two of them are, are extravagantly different. Well, let's talk about that for, for a minute. Um, but tell us, tell us how many bio kids you have too, so we can kind of understand. I've got three bio kids. I've got two that are two boys. One is 28 and one's 25. And then I've got my bio daughter, 11, who's still at home. Goodness, big age range difference there. Yeah, she was kind of not expected. <laughs> yeah. She was a big surprise. So yeah, but we love having her. She's the baby of the bunch. And you have a stepdaughter that's also 11, right? Yeah, yeah, they're four months apart. Wow. Yep, and they're two peas in a pod. Okay, so let's start off with your first blend. Sure. You had, I guess, your older kids at that point? No, I had not had them yet. Stephanie is her name, but she... uh. She was six when me and her father met, and then I got pregnant with her brothers very shortly after that, within the first year or two. Okay. And how did that blend go? Was that easy for the most yeah. part? It was, It was. well, I wouldn't say, well, you know, memory does, does funny things. It, it looks back on things a lot kinder than they probably are. But yes, <laughs> I it was challenging. I do remember that there were parts of it that were challenging. Um, at the beginning, I dealt with, you know, her mom was fairly high conflict at the time, but she was in a lot of pain and she was going through a lot. So that lasted a couple years, probably, maybe even three. And that finally simmered down some. And then going into the teenage years, it was a little, got a little dicier. But then she, her mom ended up moving to California. And she went with her for a few months, but decided she didn't like it over there and wanted to come home. So she came on home and then we just had her ever since after that. And so I think it was just the circumstances were a little different, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we're still incredibly close to this day. She's got two children and she's married. And, um, and I just talked to her yesterday, as a matter of fact. So, but it was, it was challenging. We had some, some communication issues. Of course, I think that's pretty much standard across the board. And if I'm being honest, I think um, there were definitely some times where things were a little dicey, but I don't really recall anymore. So many years right. have gone by and, you know, it's just kind of been what it is. And our relationship has just been what it has been for so many years that is, it was such a small window of time that it just doesn't seem relevant anymore to dwell on. 
really. Right, right. You definitely don't want to bring up past hurtful memories. No, and I don't have many with her. Um, I remember we bump had some, but it, it was just teenage stuff mostly. Yeah. You know, sneaking around and, you know, doing whatever she was. She wasn't much for disrespect or anything like that. She was a pretty easy kid to get along with. She was great in school. I mean, you really couldn't complain too much. She had this little boyfriend who was her husband that she's had since she was 13 or 14 years old. And they've been together ever since. So they, I fought her on that for the longest time because I <laughs> thought it was a bad mix. And so we bumped heads with that. That was probably our biggest issue was when she first really got started getting serious with that boy. And But it turned out fine. But it turned out beautiful. And I loved him more than anything in the world. So. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to mind your own business and stay out of everybody's business. That's what I mean. But yeah, yeah. I mean, she manages her life great, and you know, I can't complain too much. It was, yeah, it just normal kid stuff. I think I don't think there was anything outside of it that would have been um, anything any different. Now, the I never had too many issues with the bio mom. I kind of mm-hmm. stayed in my lane. I I even knew back then to kind of stay in my lane that it wasn't really any of my business and. There were some issues between, of course, my ex-husband and, and her mama that ended up being pretty volatile at times. And I do remember those moments. So it was mostly about the, their ability to communicate with each other and to be able to co-parent effectively. They right. were not very successful at doing that with each other. And that was probably the most challenging part of the dynamic at the time. Now, they have since, you know, they get along fine now and, you know, you, you know water under the bridge, I guess. But... Right. But at the time, it was fairly volatile. I remember um, them screaming at each other on the phone, you know, and things like that, of that nature. Or somebody wanted yeah. to call the police for something because somebody didn't drop off the kid where they were supposed to drop him off or what time they were supposed to drop him off. Or And I remember thinking, this seems mildly ridiculous. But I was such a young mom, you know, and they were quite a bit older than I was. And I remember because my husband was quite a few years older than me. And I remember thinking, this is how adults are. This seems crazy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because I had never really experienced anything like that up to that point. So I was a baby trying to do mama's stuff myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of grew up together. I think that's some of it, you know, because there's probably about as many years between me and Stephanie as there are between me and her daddy, quite honestly. Okay. We just kind of learned how to do life together. And, you know, and we just ended up becoming friends through the process. And we're, yeah, like I say, we're incredibly close and I love her dearly. That's great. Now you have stepdaughter 15, stepdaughter 13, stepdaughter 11. Yeah. And bio daughter 11. Yep. That's what we have at home right now currently. All girls. All girls. And it's a very big, big bunch of big personalities. They are not small personalities. They are very big ones. And it is a lot to take in some days. So when you um, started blending with your husband yeah. or significant other, right? the stepkids were eight, six, and four? Um, yeah, roughly roughly about that age, yeah. The youngest one might have been five, but yeah, it was about that, about that time, yeah. And your first relationship, you were um, the stepmom, and she was pretty young too, right? Stepdaughter, she was six. Okay. Yeah. So you've came into these kids' lives when they were fairly young. Yeah, pretty young for them. Yeah, they were big personalities when I came in. To I mean, they pretty much had their their roles solidified by the time I came along. You know, 
<laughs> yeah. And they still, and they've stuck to their guns this entire time, too. So you said it was night and day. Yeah. The first blend and the second blend. How how was that? I think, well, I think some of the challenges were that I don't like to reinvent the wheel. So if something works, I just want to continue with what works. And so I've already raised these children. So I came into this relationship thinking, well, I'll just handle this in dynamic the same way I handled the last one and see how it goes, you know, because I really didn't know. And, but there's three of them, not one, three, and all three have very big personalities and, and they're very, and they're all night and day different from each other. Their personalities um, are just completely different. Mm-hmm. And the, the pushback that I got was pretty much immediately. And they're very possessive of their father, but they're possessive of everybody. <laughs> it's not just yeah. because they're possessive of him. They, I mean, a lot of people have called them many wives or, or whatever. And there, there is definitely some of that behavior for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's not, they're, they're equal opportunity. I mean, they do that with their mom. They do that with their aunts. I mean, their aunt just got a new boyfriend and they're all like, well, why? I mean, what's he got to be around for? What's going on with that? I mean, <laughs> you know. So it's it's kind of across the board. So it's not, I don't at least take it personally, I guess. I did. I took it personally for a long time. And I think as, as I've opened my eyes and kind of taken a step back and I've kind of started seeing them as individuals and Mm -hmm. really kind of getting to to watch them, you know, from an outside perspective without being so immersed personally and, you know, and having that kind of like one-sidedness, I guess where right. I can kind of see where they're coming from and what that's about. And it's made it a lot easier. It, it's, so I've just, if I'm going to deal with that kind of pushback and they're not interested in, in me trying to dictate anything to them whatsoever, mm-hmm. then why should I even put myself in the position to do that? Now, there was a big issue when I first started this where my partner was really upset with me about the disengagement. And he was like, you, I just need you to be engaged more. I just need you to be, you know, more focused and, and, and more involved. And this just isn't going to work for me. And, and I said, well, the other, oper- you know, the other stuff's not working for me. So I don't know where we're going to find a balance in the middle. And then I just started right. researching more and, and reading more. And of course, being on the Facebook page and, and listening to other people's stories and kind of seeing where I was sitting at. And saying, okay, well, where's the balance? Because I didn't want to be completely disengaged because I, you know, I, I love these kids and I want to see them thrive and be successful and do all these amazing things. But how do I do that and also maintain my own autonomy in my relationship? Right. And that was number one for me was when, the minute I realized that I was doing for everybody else and not doing anything for myself at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so I needed that autonomy back. I needed that individuality in myself to be able to have some semblance of sanity and, and to feel good and, and to wake up and be, you know, joyful about my life every day. Yes, because we do. We lose ourselves in this mess. Yeah. And I, I think it can happen in, you know, in nuclear families also, because I've seen it happen there. But it's just so much more abundant when you're trying mm-hmm. to blend and you've got all these personalities and everybody is so different. and They've got these big opinions. And what works for some kids doesn't work for other kids. Mm-hmm. And my partner is not a parent. Now, he's, he's one of the most engaged fathers I've ever met in my entire life. One of the reasons I love him so much is because of the fierce way that he loves his girl. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't parent the way that I would parent. 
And right. I don't parent the way that he would parent. Yes, so, and that's okay. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different. Totally fine. We just have different personalities. We're raised different. We come from different childhoods and backgrounds. Um, my way is not 100% right all the time, and neither is his. But, you know, sometimes we can meet in the middle and come up with a good compromise, and that's kind of where we live. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't get invested in, in, in what goes down with, you know, of course, discipline or anything like that. And I keep my mouth shut, and sometimes it's hard. But I do, for the most part, keep my mouth shut. You know, if it's not my business, it's not my business. And I try, try to just kind of stay in my own lane with it. Right. And it's not, a lot of people look at it as it being offensive. That Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that you're staying in your lane or whatever. It really is not. It's not disrespect to you. It's not disrespect to your relationship with your husband. Mm-mm. It is reality. You are not their parent. And many times when we try to parent kids that are not ours, it results in resentment, anger, hurt. And that's where we were at. We were right there. That's where it was. I had mm-hmm. certain things. I'm a root. I'm, I, I love routine. I like routine. I like to know what I'm doing the next day. I like my house to be in a certain order. I like my cabinets to be in a certain order. I like my life to function in a way that makes me feel like I have control over pretty much every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. But I had to also come to terms with what my weaknesses were. So I can sit here and I can say, stepdaughter 15 has got this much attitude and won't pick up this or that or clean up after herself. Or I could say, I could say multitudes of, you know, resentment making statements about these kids. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I had to look at myself in the mirror and figure out where my shortcomings were also. Because yes. I was being high conflict and didn't even realize I was being high conflict. I mm-hmm. was looking for a reason. And, you know, like the minute they'd come in the door, of course, everybody's starving to death because they're teenagers. They come in the door, they get something to eat. They're leaving wrappers all over the counters. They've got 15 dishes out. They've got millions of things going on. And I would immediately be consumed with just this unadulterated amount of rage. Right. And at yes. the end of the day, this would be no different because I think sometimes we, we put expectations on our stepkids that we really don't actually put on our bio children. Mm-hmm. Like we'll sit there and say, oh, my bio kids would never do that. And they, they've been raised better than this. And they know better than to do that or this, that, and the other. But when it's your mm-hmm. bio kids, you can tolerate their wet towel being on the floor better than you can somebody else's kids leaving their wet towel on the floor. Yes, definitely. And so I really had to come to terms about whether or not I was honestly being equal and whether I was honestly being a good stepmom in regard to their well-being. Because I wanted things so regimented, but at the same time, I wasn't willing to bend. I wasn't willing yes. to al- allow people to be their individual selves at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can't control children. They're still people. And now you can regulate right. things and you can set up systems and rules and consequences and all of those things. But at the end of the day, they're still their individual selves and they are entitled to have an opinion about stuff. Yes, they are. And they how are. their life is functioning. They didn't ask for their parents to get divorced. They mm-hmm. didn't ask to go through all of the turmoil and the adjustments and having to deal with me. They didn't want that. If you ask them, they would. They they never invited me into their life, you know? Right. They didn't pick you. No, they didn't. And I don't know that they would again, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I just think that once I started coming to terms with that and dealing with the fact that I myself had my own anchors I was bringing into this sinking ship, that I had to be really honest with myself. And I had to look in the mirror and say, okay, Nick, you know, this is the problem. You've got to ease up and back off. 
I mean, that's just the reality of it. Yeah, I had a lady in the academy that she said it bothered her that I made it sound like that I was the problem with the blend and that David, we pick a lot, you know, so David will be like, yeah, well, I knew you were the problem. And, but he knows that's not the case, but I was 98% of the problem for sure, Sure. because I absolutely was at least 75% of it. Yeah. And you get to the point where you come in and you see the shoes somewhere out of place. Well, then you get angry and then you're not pleasant to be around. No, so, you're not. Yeah. You're absolutely. It's awful to be around somebody who's in a terrible mood. It mm-hmm. it really is just, I mean, I know how I am and I'm super highly sensitive to other people's emotions. And I am like incredibly empathetic when it comes to energy and rooms and with people and attitudes and, and kind of the vibe they bring, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, if it was me, and because I grew up in a blended home and it was awful, if it was me, and I remember coming home to my stepfather being like this awful, make mean, just kind of whatever person, and you don't know, you don't want to be around that. You don't want to have anything to do with people like that. It's an immediate right. turnoff to to be around folks that have such a negative vibe and are angry all the time. Yeah, and I just. And I, you know, and I think a lot of the issue is everybody wants to be right, but nobody wants to, wants to look at themselves a lot of the time. And I know I was one of them. I mean, you have to be honest. If you're going to make this work, you have to be honest with yourself and see whether it's easy to criticize our partners and say, where they're not parenting or they're not stepping up or they're not doing whatever. But what are you doing too? What are you contributing Mm -hmm. to the dynamic that makes this a negative thing? You know? Yes. And that's where you have to you kind of have to draw your lines and say, okay, you know, you have to be realistic with, with your goals and what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were a part of a blended family yourself? Yeah, I was. And it was horrific. It was absolutely just the worst, most abusive dynamic. But I tried to live my life following leaving home at such a young age. I left home at 15 because of it that I think that I tried really hard to just be like, I wanted to be that ultimate mom. You know, I wanted to be the good mom. I wanted to be, you know, really great with my career. I wanted, I had all these goals and I wanted it to be, yeah, I wanted it to be absolutely everything that my childhood was not. And it, you know, honestly, life just doesn't work out like that all the time. So right. you still carry your trauma with you when you go. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to unpack all that stuff. And, you know, because a, a lot of us have a lot of that. We have trauma and stuff that we haven't worked through. And we cater that to our parenting styles and, and how we communicate and how, and how we, we're intimate with each other and our friendships and our relationships and with our spouses, you know. And it makes a huge difference. And I think that if you focus more on your own business and taking care of you and practicing things that make you a better human than you were yesterday, then you're on the right track to doing some really good things. But you have to be able to let go of some of those in, those those control mechanisms and, and what people feel like they need to have for, for their needs, their personal needs to be met. My needs weren't being met. I was like, could somebody get this Starburst wrapper out of my carpet? Could somebody pick up their shoes? Could somebody do this? Could somebody do that? Could somebody put their dishes in the sink? And it was so much of a focus on regimenting all of that that you lose sight of the relationships that you're building. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. The relationships matter. They are never going to remember anything about 
candy wrappers on the counter. They're going to care about card games on Friday nights and, you know, whether you went to their school thing or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how you were engaged with them on a personal level. They're never going to care about how clean the house was when they were growing up. Right. Now, you said that your you being part of a blend was horrific. Yeah, was it, it was. a stepmom that was horrific or a stepdad that was horrific or both? It was a stepfather. Okay. But I, I didn't have my biological father was never in my life until I was grown. So the only father that I had was the stepfather figure other than my granddaddy who, you know, would, would ultimately take that role. But right. it was absolutely awful. And I never wanted to be in a, in a situation where I would cause any children the amount of pain that he caused me. So was he just like a tyrant? Oh, he was just awful. He was just awful. He was a monster, essentially. That's bad. It was. And so, you know, I I knew what I didn't want my life to look like. And I knew what I didn't want my blend to look like. But I didn't know exactly what a healthy relationship was either. So what, I mean, you can, on black and white paper, you can say, well, this is what you do to run your household. And this is how you raise your children. And this is what you do, you know, to maintain intimacy with your partner and connection and communication and all of these things on paper. But you, you can't do that when you're dealing with additional personalities. Everybody mm-hmm. has their own thing to bring to the table. Right. And it's important that they're allowed to do that, in my opinion. And I don't think we like it. I don't think we like it a lot of the time. Sometimes, you know, different opinions, of course. You know, and, and then I think there's also natural personality kind of conflict. I don't think that people yes. necessarily do anything bad to you or you do anything bad to them. I think just some people just don't kind of click sometimes. Yes, and that's okay. And yeah, and it's fine because we're not all meant to, you know, please every single person under the sun. We're not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And it's okay not to be. But you can learn to accept that about each other and then figure out where your medium ground is and then, you know, and work from there. So you at least maintain an element of respect for each other, even if you kind of don't see things eye to eye, I guess. Right. One thing we like to do in the Nacho Kids Academy is we like to have the members take the personality test. And yeah. if they can get their significant other to take it, then that's great too, because we can tell them better ways to communicate with each other. And, you know, kind of like 10 things not to say to this type of person or this person that has this personality. And it helps a lot because we don't see things the same. And it's hard for us to understand that not everybody thinks like us. That's absolutely right. And that, and because because of my kind of little control freak, I've always considered myself to be one of those all accepting people. You know, I just Mm -hmm. love people for what they are and I meet them where they're at. And I think that I'm amazing because of it. And the reality was that that was not entirely true. I like to say that and I like to think that about myself. But the reality was my actions weren't backing that up. Right. And I think it's real easy to run over children and, and tell them, you know, well, you need to be this, this, this. But they had a whole life before I showed up. Yes. Yes. And we have to remember that, too. Right. It's interesting that you had such a horrific experience. And like you said, you didn't have anything to really gauge what a healthy relationship was. You just knew it wasn't what you had experienced. I knew that. That's all I knew is that I didn't want to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And so it was important to me to make sure that I kept my children as far away from that stuff as possible. And ultimately, I feel like I've raised wonderful children. My my older children are in my older stepdaughter is they are thriving and they're amazing adults. And there's no reason why these won't turn out the same way. It's just teenagers are a pain in the butt. 
They are <laughs> the moodiest people I've ever met in my entire life. I, I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty moody. So, I mean, you know, to add myself up against that list, I mean, I'm dealing with some crazy over here. I'm not going to lie to you. But <laughs> I don't even know what I would do without it, though, because I have like on the off weekends, you know, when it's just us by Sunday, I'm a little bored. I got to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I sit there and I enjoy, I'm like, whoo, it's my kid free weekend. It's going to be amazing. We're going to go to brunch. We're going to have mimosas. It's going to be lovely. Take a little boat ride. We'll go do this. And then we do that. And then by Sunday, I'm like, uh, uh, what am I going to do now? I don't really know. So yeah, you don't have them all the time. You have your stepkids every other weekend. Yeah. And, and a few days during the week, but we only live about a mile from Biomom. Oh, so okay. we see them pretty much every day in some form or capacity. And um, the two 11-year-olds are in two classes together this year, and they run cross-country together after school. And um, they're really close. They're, they're incredibly tight, those two. And then the, um, and the, and they're just busy. They've got a lot going on. And so we have mm-hmm. them. We see them, you know, frequently. But our designated court order days are Tuesdays, Thursdays, and every other weekend. Okay. That's generally how we do it, but it ends up being more than that just because of, you know, the circumstances or whatever. Right. So let's talk about crazy teenagers. You know, we yeah. have a lot of people that say, I need um, to hear from stepmoms that have teenagers. Sure. So let's talk about those crazy teenagers. Sounds good. What is one of the things about them being teenagers that you've noticed that didn't happen before? You know, like we know that their moods changed. Yeah. Yeah. We know, we know their moods change. They get kind of snappy. They're grumpy. Um, They don't want to interact as much. I think, well, I will say this. Ours are still fairly interactive. The oldest one sometimes likes to retreat a little bit, but then dad calls her out on it. He's very, very big about them being engaged with each other. Um, But I think the self-centeredness, I think, is a big thing. Um, I, I don't know if that's typical. I think it's probably pretty standard stuff, but mm-hmm. not being able to see anything beyond your own nose, everything revolves around you and what, and, and that what life can do to make your life easier. And without little regard for siblings or anybody else in the house, really. Mm-hmm. Cause it's all about them. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's it. And it's just, and I, I think it's probably pretty standard operating procedure for most people, you know, that are mm-hmm. raising teenagers. In the blend, it's a little harder because where I would normally speak up and say something about, you know, this immense attitude all of a sudden that we got or, you know, I'm going to not participate in this event, even though I've been asked to or, you know, and I'm going to put my foot down on this, that and the other. It's very difficult. I have a, I really struggle with disrespect, disrespect because I don't feel like it's that hard to be nice to people. Right. And I get really, really uptight about incredible amounts of disrespect. And it's just so profound in teenagers. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the, the abrasiveness in the mm-hmm. coarseness of words that you cannot take back are really harsh. And right. it's taken me a good minute to, to not feel personally attacked by that. Um, I think, you know, and of course, you know, not picking up after yourself and not cleaning up anything and not, you know, doing whatever. But then at the same time, she'll have a day where she comes in and she's super productive and she does all this amazing stuff, you know, and then you're like, wow, Mm -hmm. that was really nice of you. Thank you so much. Or, or, you know, for doing your bathroom or getting things like that squared away. Cause I basically have a whole level of my house that I refuse to touch. 
There you go. Because I've got a 15-year-old who's almost 16, a 13-year-old who's almost 14, and two very capable 11-year-old girls that are almost 12 that are more than capable of taking care of that situation. And I Mm -hmm. absolutely refuse to do it. I am not going to do it. Now, if if it bothers you, (laughs) yes, exactly right. And I I tell him, he's like, well, somebody's got to be the adult around here. I guess I'm going to have to go up there and clean that bathroom. I guess you are because I'm not doing it. Yeah. Or hire a maid. Right. Uh, Yeah. Or hire somebody to come do it for you because I'm not doing it. Now, Mm -hmm. with that, I mean, I really struggled with that at the beginning because I felt so guilty about that. And now I have no guilt whatsoever over it. If you want to get it done, then get it done. But it's not Mm -hmm. my responsibility to take care of it. And I'm not going to do it. Right. And I'm not going to play a bunch of games about it. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And that's where I draw my line in the sand. So that's where we're at with that. Mm -hmm. You've got your bio daughter, too. So he's got Mm -hmm. three and you've got one. Right. Does he ever say, well, your kid made part of that mess, too? No. I'll tell you what. No, he doesn't do that. He he's so much better than I am. He is such a more stellar parent than I am. He he's now he will say on occasion, like if Allie, you know, is is here by herself, my daughter, if she's here by herself, he'll say something to the effect of, hey, can you make sure this thing gets picked up? Or could you do the litter box today? Or could you, you know, whatever the thing may be. And he just asks her once and she just does it and they move on with their life. Mm hmm. Um, there is some of that. I can say, and I've learned how to kind of engage with the kids in ways to get them to do things that I need for them to do. But it, mm-hmm. I don't ask them to do anything most of the time. But I, if I'm having an issue with something, I might say to the 14-year-old or the 13-year-old who's almost 14, I might say to her, hey, I'm getting ready to go do this. this and, do you mind if you could take care of this one thing for me while I'm gone so that I don't have to mess with it when I get home? And I found that that kind of interaction seems to be more productive. Um, so it's yes. not me necessarily saying, I need you to, you know, bark in orders and saying, do this, do that. This is what I need for you to do. But I just kind of ask. And if she doesn't do it, I guess she just doesn't do it, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, but normally they're helpful. So if I say, I've got to go run and get the girls from practice. Could you start the oven, you know, and get it preheating for me or, or whatever? And she'll be like, sure, I can get it done or whatever. And it's just a matter of communication, I think, is the biggest part of the dynamic. Because if I'm not conscious of what I'm saying, or my mood or my tone or a million other things, then I don't get I don't reap any positive results. And I noticed that with the stepkids, when I started Mm reengaging, I still didn't tell them to do chores or anything like that. I just more um, reengaged in conversation and being fun with them. But when I would need help with something, rather than saying, hey, I need you to do the dishes or you need to do this, I would go, can you please help me do this? Yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with my re-engagement right now currently. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's productive, sometimes it's not. But more often than not, I would say that we're we're blending quite well right now. Um, Right. And it's been a long time coming because it, it did about a year ago come to like, you know, to the point where... I thought, you know, if we don't get a grip on figuring out how to do this family dynamic that we have going, we're not going to make it. We're going to be part of the mm-hmm. 73% of folks that don't make it. And it won't be for a lack of love and it won't be for a lack of care. It's just because we cannot figure out the logistics on how to get this stuff to work. Right. And that was yeah. so important to me that I was willing to do whatever I had to do 
to make sure that we got where we needed to be. And we're, and it's not perfect. Um, right. you know, kids are just kids. And so you deal with stuff all the time and two, you know, the two little ones just started middle school this year. So I'm sure that, that we're up for a bunch of new surprises with that. And uh-huh. I, I mean, and I'm dreading it cause you know, they're so sweet right now and I don't want the world to break them. You know what I mean? But oh, I, know. Uh, I, I think just letting people have their voice makes a big difference. Um, I really appreciate the re-engagement, but then there's days where like the older ones, specifically me and her bump heads real hard. Mm-hmm. And we have more of a personality conflict than we have anything else. Like I was talking about earlier. Right. And if we're not careful, we'll go toe to toe easy. Yeah. And it doesn't take much of a, of a word or, you know, spitting something out of your face that you should have just kept to yourself. And then it's World War Three, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really have to be ultra conscious when it comes to her specifically about how we're going to engage today. And so she'll either want to, she either wants to hang out with me and tell me about her day and what's going on at school and her friends and all that. And then tomorrow she may hate my guts and not be interested in saying anything to me at all. Mm -hmm. And so I can kind of pick up on those moods the minute she walks in the door and she's in one of those, I hate everybody. Everybody sucks moods. And I'm like, okay, I'm dipping out. I Yeah. (laughs) Uh, that's going to be, I'm not going to, you know, intervene today. And so, and she says that she's, she's knowledgeable enough. I mean, she's a super smart girl and she'll even tell her dad, you know, well, if we're going to go do this for a week, I mean, you know, me and Nikki can fight sometimes. So, I mean, what are we going to do about that? Just seems like a long time, you know? So it's, it's on her mind too. Mm -hmm. Is she the one you have the most trouble with? Yeah. She is definitely my trouble for me. And it's not Mm -hmm. that she's a bad kid or she gets in trouble or does anything. It's just, we don't click great. I love her more than anything because it's mm-hmm. um it's a different kind of dynamic in where I know I know deep down she cares for me, you know, mm-hmm. but we just struggle because we're such different people. Right. We come from different places. We don't have this. Plus, I mean, you know, I have to think of going back to the honesty about yourself. I have to think, you know, I've been on my own since I was 15 and she's at she's 15, almost 16 now. And I think, gosh, I was on my own at her age. Why can't she do mm-hmm. a ditch? You know? Yeah. So I get I get some of that that I have to reel myself in and say, you're not being reasonable. This this is mm-hmm. not a reasonable kind of um, comparison. Right. Because that is not normal. 15-year-olds don't go out and live by themselves. That That right. is not a normal thing. So she's more normal than I was at her age. But I'm like, why can't she clean her bathroom, you know, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I have to keep myself in check and say, you're being unreasonable. You're not being reasonable. And so you're trying to compare her to you. Yeah. And that's not fair because she doesn't have my life experience. Right. Yeah. That's one thing that we talk about, too, is it's important not to compare kids in general. Yeah. Even your sure. own bio kids, because everybody's different. But it is crucial not to compare your stepkids and your bio kids. Yeah, I think that's incredibly. I mean, and, and I think we do a really good job with that. Um, you know, I, I never look at mine and go, oh, well, she's, you know, she's so much better behaved or she's so much better this or she's so much better that. Um, I never do that. They, they all kind of operate. The, the kids together are wonderful. They you know, and they argue and they fuss back and forth. Now, the two older ones, the 15 and the 13-year-old, those two scrap. Those two are scrappers, and they will go toe-to-toe with each other, like, big time. <laughs> what Their personalities are night and day, and they 
I guess they got into a big old thing over at Biomom like a couple of days ago. And she was like, I can't do three more years of this. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? So <laughs> she's about to pull her own hair out of her head, you know? So, mm-hmm. and, and she's talking, and of course her parenting style is completely different. Another thing is that, that is like an issue as of today is because of that fight they got into, it's a big blowout. You know, of course, mom says, these are your consequences. We're taking your phones. You're grounded. You're all this, you know? And then, but mm-hmm. my SO, my, my significant other thinks, well, I don't think that she's doing it. I wouldn't have handled it that way. I would have done it totally different. I don't think that they should be grounded. It's just kids fighting. It's just not a big deal. It's whatever. And I'm like, if she said something, you need to back her up on it. So, and he's like, well, I, I mean, I just wouldn't handle it that way. And that may be, he's got a different philosophy about throwing them in the yard and letting them kill each other, I guess. But I yeah. think, you know, which whatever, but I, I, I just, I like the cohesiveness of co-parenting and saying, okay, you know, mom says that this is how things are going. And I, I think we should kind of adhere to what happened. It happened at her house on her time. And, and he does a pretty good job of, of kind of keeping that, but he doesn't like it very much. He would just assume they come over here, have their phones and be fine. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting, though, um, that you say that because a lot of stepmoms especially will go, well, that happened at Bio Mom's house, and, you know, whatever she does is fine. She can do that on her time. I think that's fine, and I understand people that feel that way, but I believe in, I, you know, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that if something went down and it was significant enough, because for these children to get punished, it has to be fairly significant in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if if something went down that was significant enough that their mom said, that's it, I've had it, I've took their phones, this is what's going on for the week, and this is how it's going to be, I feel like he should support her in that. Right. Um, so do, th- do they have a good co-parenting relationship? Like they communicate with each other? Yeah, every or day. Or are you they, more involved in that? No, not very much. I don't, I don't deal with that very much at all. I will on occasion if I have to, but it's real rare. Um mm-hmm. If we speak, we speak fine and we're cordial to each other. We don't have a friendship or anything, but we, we, we're adults and we get along fine. Um, the, the, and they speak probably every day, several times a day, depending on what's going on because the kids are busy. Mm-hmm. And so they're texting back and forth or they talk back and forth. So they're pretty proactive in regard to their co-parenting. I know a lot of people have an issue with that. I personally don't mind it. You mean have, have an issue with them talking every day and stuff right, like that? Right, with the amount of communication they have with each other. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people don't like that, but honestly, it doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times it's because it's insecurities. Yeah, and I just don't have a lot of that. And I just think, you know, whatever you need to do for your kids, and they are busy and they've got a lot going on. And sometimes, you know, their schedule changes, their practice changes or this, and they happen all the time. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, I just kind of feel like y'all just got to do whatever you got to do what's best for your kids, you know? Yeah, exactly. And if they get along fine, there's nothing wrong with them doing that. No, they get along pretty good. I mean, I, I we joke because it's like they're still married. They just don't live in the same house. But mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because of the amount of communication they have. But like I said, three big personalities. There's a lot going on. And, you know, it works for them. And I'm, you know, and my daughter's dad, we speak frequently. Now, he's he travels for a living, so he's not home all the time. But, um, so it's a little bit of a different dynamic. He's overseas like for three or four months at a time. And oh wow, so he's not always around, but we both try to 
have as healthy of a relationship as we can with, you know, co-parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not easy. No, it's not. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, if I'm being honest, I mean, we don't like each other. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of history and, you know, a lot of bad blood between us over, you know, the last 10 years or so. But we've always fairly handled ourselves fairly adult-like. And I'm pretty proud of that, quite honestly. Yes, that's very important. I want to kind of be, my, my goal would be to be an anomaly, of course. You know, I want to succeed and I want these children to succeed. And mm-hmm. whether or not that happens with a close relationship with them, I, which ultimately I would love to have, um, or it doesn't, is irrelevant to me as long as they are raised and they're healthy and they're whole and they have mm-hmm. a good childhood and they get to experience life and travel a little bit and they have a great relationship with their mom and dad. Right. And, you know, because there's so many people that don't have that. And for me, I think it's, it's important to step back and say, okay, you don't have to be the force in their life. You don't have to, their mom is more than capable of being an amazing mother. Mm-hmm. Their father is an amazing dad. Now he drives right. me absolutely bananas. And I don't agree <laughs> with about three quarters of what he does, but mm-hmm. it's not my business. And at the end of the day, yes. the, the kids are making good grades in school. You know, they're socially active. They are in extracurricular sports and they're successful in, in, in their goals and, and all of that stuff. So for me, I think it was the biggest issue was because oh, I have such a big mouth. Oh my gosh. It's so big. <laughs> and I'm very, I'm a fighter by nature. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of in my blood to fight and mm-hmm. not necessarily be hostile or argumentative. But if I see an injustice being done, I want to resolve that right now. If I see yes. you being rude to somebody for no reason, I'm going to call you out on it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and it's, and I've always kind of been that way. And, but when you're that way all the time, you don't give anybody an opportunity to show you who they are. Because you're too busy trying right. to control everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. And I am bad. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> so my growth over the last year or so has been profound in regard to that. And I'm still, you know, I still struggle some days. Yeah, but isn't it awesome to learn new ways to deal with things other than just blurting out what you think? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it, it serves me a lot better to keep my mouth shut. It just, mm-hmm, me too. It really does because I'm one of those that if I if I go off the cuff, then it can be real. It can be abrasive. It can be short and, and sharp. Mm-hmm. And right, because I'm kind of no nonsense in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And as, as sensitive as I am, and as as in tune as I like to be with other people, I also am very moody myself. And I also am very sharp with my words. And I'm just kind of I feel like it's karma's way of getting back at me a little bit. Because I'm getting back <laughs> the same stuff that I've put out into the universe for so many years. But mm-hmm. mostly with the teenagers, and it is challenging. I think teenagers are challenging for anybody, regardless. But it, you know, they're growing into themselves. They've got a lot going on, and they're just kind of a pain in the butt. But mm-hmm. their opinions are crazy. They're, oh, and, and you know, they're getting it to, the, she's getting to the age about politics and making her stances on what she thinks about worldviews and you know and current affairs and all of that stuff and I'm like oh my gosh it's getting ready to be World War Three around here with her daddy I don't know what we're gonna do <laughs> I mean 
because it's, you know, there's, there's certain things and everybody's so passionate, I think is the thing in our household, which is, is a little different than a lot of people's is that we're all a very big bunch of passionate people. And we all hold firmly to our opinions and, and what we think. And mm-hmm. they haven't gotten to the place yet where they're willing to hear your viewpoint. They, they are just listening to respond to you. And that's all they are doing. Yes, because they don't believe anything you say is important. <laughs> no, they don't. They just, they really don't. And occasionally they'll be open. Like if you catch them in the right mood on the right day, when the stars align and the moon is full, you might get somebody saying, oh, I can see your point of view. But normally it's like, no, there's nobody seeing anybody's point of view. It's just a bunch of opinions getting thrown around loud and nobody's hearing anybody say anything at all. Yes, definitely. And it's complete craziness. And I don't know. It, it's chaos is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. unadulterated chaos. And yes. I think with teenagers, you have to provide a safe place to land. And mm-hmm. even like, I, I hope anyway, I don't know this for certain, but I hope, my hope is even if, you know, things aren't ideal all the time, I, I hope they know that they can call me anytime for anything. Right. And they can count on me to be wherever they need to be if they need an emergency ride or something's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at in our reengagement. Um, and it's been pretty good, but I have most of it's on me. I mean, I don't know that you can put a lot of blame on kids a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And they drive me crazy. Yeah. I mean, and everybody tells uh, me will. all the time. They're like, I don't know how you do it, girl. I don't know how you do it. But I'm like, you just you just do what you do. I mean, Right. You got to love your life and you've got to live it to the best of your ability. And I love having the Facebook page so I can have a blow up about something if I go bananas, which fortunately isn't very often. But mm-hmm. just to have the safe place to kind of throw something out so you don't say anything stupid in your own house, you know? Um, I like the venting. I know a lot of people in the Facebook groups will say something about, well, oh, I see. Is all these people saying ugly things about their stepkids and no wonder you don't have a relationship with them. And I'm thinking I would much rather them say it here than to say it to the kids. You don't want to say anything hateful to the children and you don't, I mean, and I've said some snarky stuff to them. I'm not going to lie, but it, I don't want, and you know, I, I feel like I'm fairly kind in my Facebook post also, but I just, sometimes you just have, you're, you're just a person with feelings. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to get that rage out somewhere in a productive fashion where you can get it out of your system. People can relate and they can understand where you're at. And then you can go on and then you can get up off the rocking chair on your porch and go back inside and, and continue on with your day and right. go on about your life. Like it's not a big deal. And, and, and generally once I get it out of my system, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's just letting it go by talking about it because well, I think it's important not to build up resentment. I think that's how resentment builds is if you don't have a safe place, like it, you know, ideally, you know, people would have a therapist or a pastor or somebody that they would speak to, or even a best friend or something, but not everybody's mm-hmm. going to do your emotional labor for you. So, and it's not their obligation to always be at your beck and call to do your emotional labor for you. Right. You know, you can't just place all your personal problems on everybody else all of the time and expect them to constantly be there to pick up the pieces for you. So it's good Mm -hmm. to have a place where you can, you know, you can vent your frustrations and it's not personal to anybody specific and you're not weighing your loved ones down with your animosity or resentment. And 
you know, put it out in the universe, get, get it gone and start all over again. Because sometimes right. it is like, a, 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 you know, it is a bad race. Sometimes you get up and you're gung-ho and everything works out exactly like you want it to. And communication runs smooth and you've got all this stuff working. And then all of the sudden, the hell falls out of the handbasket right in your lap. And you don't even know how you got there. All it takes mm-hmm. is one slip of the tongue in the, right. and, and, the, and you've started World War III in your home. Mm-hmm. Over something silly like a banana peel sitting on the counter. It'll be over something that you'll go back 15 minutes later and go, gosh, I wish I hadn't said that. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't worth the aftermath. Right. Exactly. That's why it's important when we start feeling angry to go remove ourselves from that situation so we don't say things that we regret. Because like you said, words are something you can't take back. Yeah, that's really important, too. It is so mm-hmm. important to watch what comes out of your mouth. I mean, it just it, it, is. it really is. It's very important. What's one piece of advice that you would give somebody that's getting ready to start in a blended family? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> whew, I'd say don't do it, probably. But I don't know. Uh, well, really, I mean, it's a commitment. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say something like, you know what you're getting into before you, you know, would you marry this guy or girl or whatever? Cause I don't buy into that. Yeah. I was gonna say, girl, don't make me hang up on you. I'm no, kidding. <laughs> no, no, I don't buy into any of that at all. But what I do Mm-mm. think is before you make a huge commitment that you know that what you, what you are trying to do, you know, what your goals are for life. Um, mm-hmm. cause this isn't for everybody. It just right. isn't. And you have to know it, it. It's not a matter of signing up for stuff, but you have to know that your commitment to your partner is going to go through these challenging times because there's other personalities involved. Yes. And you have to be able to make the commitment and say, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how we're going to approach it. And, you know, to, and figure out what ways are best for you to be successful in that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't require you to have to go through all these relationships and love these kids or do all this stuff. I think ideally that's wonderful. And that's, you know, my goal would be to be in that position, but Mm -hmm. it's not always the case for everybody. And I don't think it should be the standard. Um, I think that you need to know what you're getting into though. I definitely think that. Well, and a lot of us, we thought we knew maybe what we were getting into and then reality hits. You may get into the relationship and the little girl's four years old and she just loves you and y'all love shopping together. Yeah, it's true. And they, they change that she's 14. And yes. She her gut. Yeah, exactly. So just because things are a certain way now doesn't mean things won't change later. I think the number one, the number one piece of advice I would say is learn how to effectively communicate. Mm-hmm. And it is a skill set. It is not something that you were born with knowing how to do. Read the book, see a therapist, go and talk to you know, whoever you feel like can, you know, guide you in a really positive direction with that. I think honest, open, transparent communication is key in almost every single situation. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to effectively communicate with not just your partner, but with his children also, or her children, I think is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and letting go of control and allowing people, you know, the autonomy to kind of be in in their life and and live their life the way that they're supposed to. And, you know, going back to what's the old saying, you can't care more than the bio parents care. Right. And you, it's none of your business. Mm -hmm. 
And again, that's not anything bad. It's not saying your husband doesn't love you. It's not saying that you can't love the stepkids. It's saying that some things are not your business. Right. Some things are just not your business. Yeah. The way I look at it is if you work in a production facility and just say that you're a purchasing manager, you don't go bust up into the CEO's office and start trying to do his job. No, exactly. Right. You've got to kind of know what your role is and live there. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to like it, but that's what you have to do. And so either the relationship is worth that or it's not. But it's, I mean, it comes down to that essentially. But if you're going to make things work, it takes everybody doing their part, really. Right. And you can't go in and be half committed to your relationship. No, you cannot. One thing that David and I did um, once I started nachoing, it was we are committed. There's no talking of divorce. There's no talking of separation. We will find a way to make this work. Right. You can't have one foot out the door. No, you can't because it won't work if you do. I mean, right. you're just like spinning your wheels at that point. And it's just a matter of time about what, whether, you know, when this whole thing is going to combust. Exactly. I mean, the way I look at it is if you already have one foot out the door, then you've already halfway conceded to being divorced. Yeah, you've already halfway left. So you might as well just go ahead and leave then because mm-hmm. you're just a matter of time before that it's all going to come unraveled anyway. And right. I, I think that you ha- that's when you have to make the decision. And whenever I decided to start not to win, I said, okay, this is where I'm at. And this is how I feel about a lot of things. And I was so full of resentment and so full of animosity. And I was so unhappy. And I cried every day. And it was just miserable. I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, what steps can I take for myself to make this a better situation for starters? What can I do personally that can make this better? And I started kind of saying, okay, well, let's just take a step back and, 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 you know, put the onus on him, you know, to take care of the responsibilities when it comes to these three children. And that's what I did. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was pretty volatile for the first, um, I guess, three months or so. It was a little hard for him to adjust to. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I just started slowly kind of disengaging from the kids in, in, in the way that I was before. But and, and it was probably painful for the kids too, if I'm being honest. It, I know it was painful for me because I, you know, I just, I, I still didn't quite know what I was doing yet. And I, mm-hmm. I felt like, well, this doesn't feel good either. You know, this disengaging and kind of not dealing with anything in the house and dealing with these kids. I didn't like that feeling very much. And so I, right. the re-engagement, once I started studying the re-engagement part of it, I thought, okay, so the goal is to re-engage in a different capacity. And that made me feel a lot better about the method. And because ultimately my goal was not to live with strangers in my home mm-hmm. and um, or to have like an us against them by, you know, kind of dynamic. And so it was really important to me to figure out how to repair and repair the couple of years that kind of flipped sideways on us, you know, and right. that's what we've been working on. And it's been pretty good. I, I mean, I really can't complain. And luckily for me, I don't hold, I, I'm kind of, well, my partner would say I'm a very big grudge holder and I probably am <laughs> to some degree, but I also think that I do a really good job once I'm honest and I'm, I'm real straight up with myself and I say, okay, these are things that you need to work on also, then I can make allowances because other people also have those. And teenagers don't have the capacity yet to look at themselves in the mirror and go, you know what? You're a total BR today. Yeah. 
they don't have the capacity to do that. I mean, they just, their, their opinions are what they are and they're right and they're not going to hear about it, them being wrong. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, and I just, so I kind of pick my battles and, you know, and of course, you know, I don't engage in, in chores. I don't deal with discipline. I don't do consequences. I don't do, if you don't do this, I'm not doing this. I don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. I will ask simply sometimes and say, Hey, do you mind load, loading the dishwasher for me or not? And if they choose to, that's on them. If they don't, then, you know, it, it just doesn't get done that way. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Yeah. Yep. I appreciate their help so much when they give it because, you know, quite honestly, I could use some help sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's really nice when they, when they carry their weight and, you know, and, they, and they're really helpful and they want to cook things and they want to, you know, make desserts or they, you know, want to help with dinner or they want to, you know, clean up after dinner or something. That's always, I'm so appreciative of it if, when and if the rare occasion of that happens. But <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at with our reengagement. And it's not perfect yet. And it probably it likely will never be perfect, but it's a far right. cry better than what it was when we first started. And I can tell you that. And I, I am so blessed and I, I, I thank God every day for it because I think that being in a position, there's nothing, growing pains hurt. You know what I mean? They just don't feel good. But mm-hmm. anything that brings you growth and makes you better is really important. And I think sometimes right. as stepmoms, we get so hung up on, but I, you know, we're almost martyrs, you know, we make ourselves martyrs. And I yeah. think that, you know, the sooner that we let go of those mentalities, you know, because all that does is places, places us in this victim role. Mm-hmm. And it's so unhealthy to live there. Now, it's okay to hang out there for a minute and cry and have a minute and just be like, I'm overwhelmed and it sucks and life is terrible. But I also think it's important mm-hmm. to pull yourself out of that and say, okay, where's my responsibility in this? So. You pick up, you know, what you need to work on, but you don't have any control over anybody else. So all you have is yourself, your reaction, you know, your attitude, every single thing that you do on your own is yours to manage by yourself, not somebody else's job to do that. It's not our job to manage other people or tell other people how to live their life or whatever. And kids need guidance and that's great, but it's not my job to do that with these three girls. Right. They've got two perfectly able-bodied parents that love them dearly and fiercely that are going to train them to, to live their life. And I have no doubt that they, you know, they won't end up being wonderful adults. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my stepsons, we went from hating each other and wishing yeah. that we didn't live together and all that stuff to now I have pretty awesome relationships with them. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. Oh, for and sure. And honestly... I definitely owe it to nachoing because if I would not have nachoed, we wouldn't have made it. Where did nacho come from? What was the history based on that? Um, the initial concept that you guys came up with, you, did you just kind of come up with it on the fly or was it something that you researched and put into motion or? We researched before we got married. And once we started talking about blending, we did a lot of research because we knew it wouldn't be easy. We went to a counselor that I knew and talked to him about things about blending and kind of got his input, you know. And year three, right around year three. Yeah. We, that's when we were about to split up. Um, Instead of calling a divorce attorney, I called this counselor and I said, can we come talk to you? And it was funny because he's like, ah, I was waiting for your call Mm -hmm. because he knew this was so hard. Yeah. And since he knew me, he was um, very adamant 
to tell me over and over and over and over and over again, they are not your kids. Right. And, you know, the first time he said it, I'm like, duh, I know that. Mm-hmm. And then he said it again, and I was like, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit because I'm like, but I do care about them. I want them to grow up and be responsible humans and right. sure. adults and, you know, all this stuff. And then I would say something like, about them brushing their teeth or hygiene or something, he'd go, they are not your kids. And I'd say, but I don't want their teeth to fall out of their head. And he would say, they are not your kids. I am not kidding. That is the only thing this man said to me. <laughs> and It's so true, though. It's so true. But I'm like, did you fall and hit your head or something? And he kind of laughed at me. But we left. And I'm not kidding when I say this. It was like the clouds opened up and the beams from heaven came down. And I'm yeah. like, they're not my kids. Yeah. And I, then it was, the next thought was, I'm creating my own misery. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Amen. I, I feel that so much. Yeah, and then it was, okay, something's got to change. And unfortunately, most of that's going to have to be me. Right. And, you know, I went, it wasn't like instantaneous. Um, The disengaging part was instantaneous. Mm-hmm. I didn't engage with them in anything that could be construed as or turn into any engagement that was negative. Right. And it was hard. Oh, it was very hard. I did that too. It was so hard. Mm-hmm. And then I went through the, why am I the only one that has to change? It's not like y'all were perfect. Right. And then I went through the, I'm tired of being by myself thing because when they were here, I would just, you know, go do my own thing. Yeah. And I like being by myself, but what it was is a lot of times when I had to disengage from them and remove myself from the room or something, I was missing out on time with my son also. Right. That's exactly right. I did that too. And I I remember thinking the same thing. And that's such a powerful Mm -hmm. point that you're bringing up. And I see that in comments all the time on the Facebook page where people say, well, how do you nacho and keep doing this and feel like that you're not even a part of your own life? And there is some truth to that. Yeah. But then once you start feeling that way, that means more than likely it's time to start re-engaging yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly what I was fixing to say. It's time to start getting re-kind of, you know. Yeah, and slowly. It ha- Real slow. I did mine slow. I'm still kind of in the slow process. I still haven't fully, completely engaged yet. Yeah, mine started off with when the kids would come in, I'd go, hey, and that was it. That was my re-engagement starting off. And yeah, two of the four would go, hey, Lori, you know, whatever. The other two would just ignore me. Fine. Mm-hmm. But even when you go to re-engage, you have to remember that whatever their reaction is, you cannot get all mad about it. And right. You can't get wound up about around the axle about it. Yeah. Don't take it personally. The girls come in and I'll say, hey, baby, how was your day? I hope you had a good day. And they'll say, oh, I did have a great day. Or they'll, and they'll tell me all about their day. Or then some days I'll be like, hey, and they'll just be like, hey. And then they don't want to, they don't want to fool with me at all. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of feel it out. You know what I mean? So if they come in today and they're like real rambunctious about something that happened, then I'm so excited to hear about it. But if they're not, and then I'm like, all right, I guess that's where we're at today. So we'll just go with that. You know, mm-hmm. so we're just not going to hang out today. That's cool. Yeah. And what's funny is the kids would come up and they'd ask Dave, they were like, where's Lori? I can't wait to tell her whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was night and day. My, my 14 year old or almost 14 year old, she went, um, my, my bio daughter's grandfather on her daddy's side, ha- he's a pilot and they run out of this little airport right up 
you know, about a 45 minute ride from our house. And he likes mm-hmm. to fly. Well, they had this little thing called like, I think it's the little Eagles or something like that, where they were hosting six to 17 year olds that could come in for a big pancake breakfast. And then a pilot would take them up in these, you know, little plane for like 15, 20 minutes or something and fly them around and bring them back down. Well, she wants mm-hmm. to be a pilot. She wants to be a pilot when she, you know, grows up and, so she is she's super serious about it. I have no doubt that she won't be a pilot. She wants to fly 747s and just have a stay-at-home dad taking care of her three kids that she's already got planned out. So Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she really does. And she wants to move to Georgia because that's the biggest airport on the eastern seaboard because she wants to work out of Atlanta. She's got it mm-hmm. all planned out. Well, she went up there and um, and this was actually super exciting. So you know, my partner had taken them. And took my, my bio daughter was already with grandma and grandpa because she was spending the night. So she was already over there working the pancake breakfast with him. And I didn't know she was going up. So I didn't go because I thought this would be a really nice opportunity for dad and daughter, you know, to go do their kind of like really cool thing. And mm-hmm. well, the next thing I know, I'm getting pictures of my bio daughter going up in a plane. She's wearing a headset. She's got all this stuff going on. I'm like, I'm missing everything. So, but it was so exciting because. He took them and stayed the morning with them. And then when they came back to the house, because it was technically their mom's weekend, when they came back to the house, she was like, and I was in the shower. She was like, well, I need to go by the house because I want to tell Nikki how it went. And Mm -hmm. I was so excited to hear about it because she was just pumped. Do you know what I mean? She, I mean, it was like one of the best things that's ever happened to her in her life. She was like, I got to wear this, you know, the whole pilot headset and the whole thing and talk back and forth and go up in the air and have all this. And, and see, you know, exactly what it was. I said, do you still want to be a pilot? And she was like, oh, my God, I want to be a pilot. And she, <laughs> she was so pumped, you know. And so I mm-hmm. kind of missed out on that day. But I was so excited about when she came home and she was like, oh, I want to tell Nick about what happened. You know, I want to tell her about my day or whatever. And so I'm always super anxious to hear about that stuff. And it makes me it makes me happy when they include me in that. Right. Um, but sometimes, you know, that doesn't happen. Sometimes it's like, eh, eh, we don't care what Nikki thinks. I don't care. But mm-hmm. and a lot of times, it's a lot of times that they don't care what I think. But I, I think that it's, um, I just relish in the moments that are good. And I, I, I want to live in joy. And I think it's important to be able to, at this point in my life anyway, to kind of ascertain whether or not my actions are contributing to my own personal joy. So mm-hmm. I could be easily upset about having missed that whole day and focused on that or be super excited for them. Right. So right. I chose to be excited mm-hmm. and, and they're excited when you're excited, you know? Yeah. And one thing I want to tell people is when you do go to re-engage, you, you might have to start a little bit slowly, then step back a little bit. You, yeah. You almost have to test the waters, but let the stepkids also lead that bonding. And that's what I do. I let them mm-hmm. lead it. If they're if they're wanting to hang out today, I'm all for it. And tomorrow, if they're not, then that's fine too. Mm-hmm. And then I just go read a book or sit on my phone and throw through Facebook or Instagram, or I'll talk to some girlfriends or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I just kind of do my own thing. And you know, sometimes they. Uh, it's just, you never know it, with teenagers. It's so difficult because you don't know what you're dealing with the minute they come in the door. It could be that they're super great about their day. Even if they're ambivalent, be in a great mood or tomorrow they could come in and just be kind of in a foul mood and don't really want to deal with anybody. And 
and just want to make things complicated or fight with their siblings or pick arguments or whatever, just for the sake of fighting or whatever reason. And I, you know, and I think, well, you know, they're just going to have to do them, I guess, because I'm not getting invested in any of that. And as far as them fighting and all that, I'm like, well, you're just going to take it out in the yard. That's all I care about. Just take it in the yard mm-hmm. and don't tear my house up. That's all. If yep. y'all want to kill each other out in the yard, that's your business. Just take it outside. That's all. Right. And exactly. now everybody will probably chew me up one side and down the other for that comment. But I just think that kids are just kind of kids, man. And they're not that much different. And some, you know, are a lot more you know, are harder to manage than others. That's for sure. But you don't know what everybody's been through. And I think like, you know, I'll read some stuff and I'll have days where I feel a little bit of hopelessness. I'm like, gosh, is this going to get better? Or or not as much now, but at the beginning, I'm like, I don't feel like this is going to get any better. And I, I mean, are you going to do this for six more years? I mean, it's just painful to think about. And then I know people have like clocks where they're counting down for their kids to turn 18 so they can get them out of the house and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think, well, I'm, I'm fortunate in, in that I don't have that. Um, right. Because I, I do know families that do. And I know it's very difficult, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I, my heart goes out. My heart goes out to, to families that are dealing with a lot of stuff like that. Because the situations are just, they're just hellish sometimes. And mm-hmm. having faith and trying to be hopeful and figure it figure your way through the whole source of all of the resentment and all of the animosity and all of the, you know, the pain that comes along with, you know, words being said that can't be taken back and that kind of stuff. I think that people really struggle and hold on to that grief. And mm-hmm. we're so much better off if we don't take that stuff personal. And right. I mean, and even if it is personal, there's nothing we can do about it. So, you know, all you can do is kind of live your best life, you know, to the best of your ability and, you know, and, and be available to what you can, what you're capable of being available for and do the best you can with what you got. Really? Exactly. I, I feel like, I mean, there's 73% of step families that don't make it. And there's a reason for that. Yep. And there's a reason. That's for sure. Yeah, it absolutely is that way. So. I just wish everybody the best of luck and, you know, and I hope that people have a support system set up or therapy or, or something where they have a safe place and, you know, to land and they've got, you know, resources or a best friend or somebody that can kind of help them out at least. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not, it's blended families are not easy. They're very, very difficult, but I, I will say this, that if you can make it work, it's totally worth it because nothing ever happened. Nothing bad ever happened to loving too many people. That's true. That is true. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. I really appreciate it. And I know that your story is going to help a lot of people with their teenage stepkids. Well, I am so happy that you invited me to be here. And I have thoroughly enjoyed myself, Lori. Well, thank you very much. And I hope we can talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. David and I may have to start doing vlogging or YouTube videos because with podcasts, you can't see all the fun we have, like the Nerf gun fight we just had. (laughs) Yes, it is so much fun shooting you for some reason. And you can't see when I roll my eyes at David when he says stuff, like just now. (laughs) Which would be very often. Yes. You should have like very good muscles behind your eyes. I do. As you roll your eyes at me. (laughs) So maybe one day, folks, you never know.
Because we got to get you on video because you complain all the time. I don't want to be on video. I don't like. I don't like the way I look on video. I don't like being seen. But you're beautiful. You're so sweet. And for those of you that don't know, David's vision is terrible. If I were blind, you would be beautiful. I would put my hands on you and say, I feel the beauty. <laughs> I would read you with my fingertips. <laughs> I try to do that now and you're like, get your hands off me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, y'all can tell 2020 didn't get rid of David's stupidity. <laughs> Come here, I'll read you. Go away. <laughs> One thing that's very interesting is David mentioned something the other day that Nikki and I talked about. And David didn't know this, but it was putting expectations on your stepkids that you don't put on your own bio kids. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, David. I'm just saying. Okay. That my kids uh, were being held to a higher standard than your own in certain areas. But here's the thing. And I believe it was Laura Petherbridge on our podcast with her that said, you see your own kids out of the eyes of love. You see your stepkids out of the eyes of responsibility. Before you say anything, David, if my son leaves something on the counter that needs to go in the sink, it does not affect me the same as it does if your kids left something on the counter. Because as a parent, I am responsible for my child. I'm not responsible for your children because they ain't my kids. Mm -hmm. So for me to have to pick up after them just gripes me. Right. Not that it doesn't gripe me sometimes to pick up after my own kid, but it's not the same. I think that was Ron Deal that said that. Uh, I think it was Laura Petherbridge. <laughs> one of them smart people. <laughs> the smart stepmom, the smart stepdad. One of them smart people. Either way. Either way, it's different. Either way, there were things that my kids would do, and it would gripe you so bad, and your kid would do the same thing. Or worse, and you'd be oh, ain't that so sweet? This is what people would call exaggeration. David is exaggerating. No, you would be exaggerating when you would say stuff like, Jackson kid tiptoe down the hallway and you're hollering at him. But if your kid's running through the house like a bunch of elephants and you don't say anything. That's the truth, people. <laughs> that is the truth. We, you know, David had four kids here. I have one. Those four kids could run around the house and it not phase David at all. My it was son, so sweet hearing the little pitter-patters of feet. My son walk quickly down the hall. And it's, Your son can't walk quickly. Well, you, he surely don't run. You said he moves like a said he was snail going up an icy hill or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's getting faster. Yeah, when you chase him with the Nerf gun. <laughs> he started that. It's funny, though. Um, recently, one of David's kids came back for a brief visit from Japan, and this child walks like he weighs 800 pounds. I don't know why. And he is so loud. Like, we went to go play putt-putt or miniature golf, whatever you want to call it, and every time I would hit the ball, he would be like, ha! I told him, I said, you're scaring everybody around this place. <laughs> Every time I putt, you make this loud, obnoxious noise, and everybody turns and jumps. But he was always like that. I told David he needed to get his hearing checked because I really thought that he might have a hearing problem, and that's why he's so loud. <laughs> he's always been loud. Even when he was a baby, he cried louder than everybody else. That does not surprise me. <laughs> he did. So, this youngin', and he used to squeal. Remember that? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
or screech, whichever. I think one of my funniest memories of Branson, though, <laughs> is trying to get him to fold clothes on the couch. <laughs> or, you know, like, here, fold these clothes. And he flops on the couch, and he starts flailing around and whining and moaning, like, I mean, for, what, 20 minutes or so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was funny. Another thing that we talk about, with, or that I talk about with Nikki, is being flexible in the blend. You have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Like one of those rubber dolls. Remember those little things you could get? Um, I had one like I got at Easter one year that you could like flex his legs all around different ways. Little bendy things. Them. What were they? I don't know, little, little, I call them bendies thing because you bend them in the direction and they would stay there. Yeah. Yeah. They had articulating limbs. Okay. So <laughs> as a stepmom, you need to have articulating limbs. <laughs> you need to be flexible, people. Be flexible. That's one thing I like about you. What? You're flexible. Am I? Yes. Like not a like a contortionist or anything. No. It's like when things were pop I got four kids. Things popped up all the time. And I had to run different directions and do different things and all that. And although you're not a person that likes last minute stuff, you were very flexible in dealing with all the changes and stuff that happened during the blend. Yeah, as long as I didn't have to go. Right. For the most part. But it, it I, was, I I don't like last minute stuff. Well, most of it affected just me, but there are a lot of stepmoms out there that they don't like even when it affects just the step or just the dad. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty flexible. That's what I was trying to tell you. Yeah. And then you take all this contortionist stuff, <laughs> run with it. Um, she also talks about the stepmom bringing in her own anchors to the sinking ship. I like that. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. That was great. That was. That was really good. I liked it. Now, one thing we didn't mention in the beginning, which you heard during the podcast, was that she grew up in a blended family herself, and it was awful. And so she knew that whatever her situation was in a blended relationship, that she was not going to have it be like that. That's good. Mm -hmm. And one thing, too, that I like that we talk about is as a step parent or as an individual in life, you have to realize your own contributions to your surroundings. And David, this falls back on the me saying that I was 90 whatever percent of the problem, 99.9, because of my contributions. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it was all my fault. Nope. Never said it was. Sometimes you have. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just because I told you to go see a shrink. <laughs> you didn't tell me to go see a shrink. You told me I was bipolar. <laughs> well, that too. I just said you were crazy. You still tell cray, me that. Cray, cray. It's because you would love me when I got home. And then hate me in five minutes. That's because your kids. See? Yep. All right. For those that would like to send hate mail to David, remember, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I did look and davidhaters.com is available. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody might want to snag that before I do. All right. And we talk about the importance of communication. That is important. Mm-hmm. And the way you communicate. It's not just about communication. It's the way you communicate. You have to learn to listen. You can't listen if you're already thinking about what you're going to say. Well, have you ever tested people in their communication styles like you do their personality traits? No. I will make a note of that. You should. All right. So in the academy, we're going to add communication styles. That's a great idea. Once I research it and learn more about it. (laughs) (laughs) And one last thing that we talk about is not comparing your stepkids and your bio kids. Shoot, don't even compare your stepkids to the other stepkids or the bio kids to the other bio kids. Right. And it's funny because growing up, it used to make me mad that my parents did not hold my sisters to the same standards they did me when it came to school and grades. 
So I guess they had no problem not comparing us. That's because they knew you had more potential. Oh, whatever. You were the last hope. No, Courtney was after me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why my sister cannot edit these podcasts. <laughs> All right. So we really enjoyed having Nikki. Um, you know, I love hearing everybody's different perspectives. One person um, left a review and said that they would like for us to have a high conflict bio mom on here. <laughs> okay. If you're a high-conflict bio-mom, <laughs> please contact me at Lori at nachokids.com because I'd love to have you as a guest on our podcast. We'll talk about why you're so high-conflict. <laughs> yeah. If you realize that you're a high-conflict bio-mom. Now, here's the kicker. I can admit that I may have been quite possibly a high-conflict bio-mom at one point in time. That's all I'm going to say. So you can interview go. yourself. I'm going to interview myself, y'all. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Hey, this is stupid, but I got to tell you anyway. I went to court with somebody one time, and the guy represented himself, and he honestly would ask himself a question and then go sit on the stand and answer. (laughs) And the judge let him do it because it was so entertaining. Wow. It was hilarious. So he would step off the stand, ask another question, and go sit back on the stand and answer it. Yes, he did. That's hilarious. Yes. And everybody in that place was laughing, except for the dude. Like, he was serious. He had like he was the attorney, and then he would, you know, go sit and answer the question like he was his client. <laughs> That's awesome. He'd even say, "Well, yes, sir." Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So tune in next week when we will be announcing the winners of our NachoKids.com review contest, whatever it's called. <laughs> yep, we will be here, and you'll find out. Anything else, honey? No, darling. All right. Catch you next week, folks. Peace out. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.